0: This is Parenting for the Everyday, a podcast dedicated to meeting parents in the trenches of parenthood. We explore how our faith fits into our parenting. With the help of our guests, we are seeking practical tips on how the gospel can speak into our day-to-day parenting. From the easy stuff to the hard stuff, we want to talk about it all. Hello and welcome. We are your host, Becca. And I'm Holly. And today we are talking about back to school because we know that transition can be rough. We also know that you go from being at home all summer with family and friends to now starting school with all kinds of different people involved in your kids' lives. Whether you have one kid going back to school and your others staying home or all your kiddos are heading back, we want to help you navigate starting the school year with as much peace and joy as possible. We're super excited about having two experts in various fields within education. Our hope in this episode is that we can give you practical tips for making the transition to school successful, how to partner with teachers or administrators, and maybe what are some potential warning signs for parents that could present obstacles or challenges for your kiddos. Katie Cochran and Katie Foster, welcome. We are so glad you're here. Katie Foster, give us a quick snapshot of who you are and your professional role. Absolutely.
1: Well, like you said, I'm Katie Foster. I am a mom to an incoming seventh grade daughter and a second grade son. Um, I'm also a registered nurse and I work in a neighboring
2: public school district at a middle school as their school nurse for seventh and eighth graders. And I am Katie Cochran. I am a school counselor at a public school. I primarily work with grades three and four um, and I am a mom to a two and a half year old and an almost six month year old.
3: That's not confusing. Katie and Katie, right? At least (laughs) we're consistent with our guests. So I think for simplicity in this episode, we will refer to Katie Foster as Nurse Katie and then Katie Cochran as Katie. So that way we can kind of differentiate who's talking. Um, But let's start talking about that transition back from summer to school. Uh, In prep for this podcast, I actually read an article that said the best thing for parents to do to prepare their kids is to help them reach a healthy physical and mental place, but I don't know what that means. So let's maybe dive in and break that down and talk about practical ways that we as parents can help prepare our kids.
2: Yeah, I think this is an important topic. Um, Just as you said, um, just talking about going back to school and how um, you come from lack of routine and kind of moving back into that routine, um, having healthy physical and mental, um, like a healthy well-being, is important. Um I think of like being as a parent and being a an adult like practicing self-care how that is important um and just maintaining like proper sleep, diet, exercise, movement. Um obviously summer you're a lot you are not allowed, but you can be outside um a lot more than in the dark dreary <laughs> months. So just kind of increasing that time outside and being able to yeah, be outside and just
1: so I think the only other thing that I could add to that is um Having your kids get into the habit of making their lunches before school starts, like the night before, uh, that gives them autonomy. I see a lot of kids at school who come in and they're like, I have no lunch, and they're middle schoolers, they should be able to function this way. So um, that's one thing I'd encourage parents to do. And then just visiting the school, whether or not it's getting in the car and driving the bus route so they feel comfortable where they're going to be going um, to and from the house. And then the school, if you can't get in to visit with the teachers and the classrooms, um, at least give them a chance to walk around the building, see the playground. It gives them a little bit less anxiety and a
3: familiarity when school starts. Even if you've been to the school before, that sounds like a great idea just
2: to remind you like, hey, you haven't been here for a while. Do you remember you come in this store? That sounds like a great idea. And a lot of schools have open houses, too. So that's a great opportunity and time to be able to meet with teachers and maybe even see if there's a friend in their class um, just to make that transition a little bit easier.
0: I don't have kids that are school age, but I do remember me as a kid, <laughs> um, and just bringing up so many different feelings about going back to school. I think there's excitement. I think there's anxiety. Um, what's the best way to walk kids through those feelings in a healthy way? I love talking about feelings.
2: <laughs> it's one of my favorite things to do. Um, but I definitely think the best thing you can do as parents is just to normalize the feelings because whether it's excitement, anxiety, sadness, or being scared, those are all normal feelings and. Being able to tell your child like that's normal, and like there's other students that are like you that are experiencing those same things.
1: I would agree. I um in my clinic, I have a lot of kids coming in for more counseling sessions. I think than really needing the nurse. Um, some things that have really helped with them is. Uh, distractions like puppets or there's a timer that's um you flip it over and it runs different colors of water down and we use it as a like just a distraction to kind of calm themselves down and then they begin to talk coloring books is a great way too um but in that interaction with my students i find that if i start talking about my day and i'm playing with a puppet they're more likely to start talking about their day while they're playing with a puppet so just um mirroring what you're looking for for your kids
3: I wonder if this is even a good time, like uh, over the summer at CCC, we went through the Psalms and we used feeling wheels and that was kind of a new concept, but it had all the feelings. And so just to be able to, to identify, I'm feeling nervous, but then there's a lot of different parts of, about nervous, like what makes you nervous? How nervous are you? So would this even be a good time
2: to use something like that? Absolutely. And I think even... Even if it's like school related or not, like as an adult, like we have those same feelings. You can just say, hey, I was actually feeling nervous today for this job interview or kind of like normalizing the, as adults, we have those same feelings that you kids are going through.
3: Yeah. So that, that you gave some practical ways of, okay, so we normalize the feelings, we say them, we use distractions. A lot of times when we ask our kids, you know, what's going on or what are you feeling? They're like, I'm fine. Or even how was your day after your first day of school and you want to talk through like, were you nervous? Were you scared? And they're like, it was fine. And so how are ways that we can help get our kids to be able to name those feelings so we can help walk them through it?
1: All right. I get excited about this one. This is Nurse Katie. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so before I became a school nurse, um, I was a stay at home mom and I used this thing with M&Ms and I have some in front of me with the woman around me, but, um, there's a little, I don't know, a guide that you could use for for it. So you give them a bag of M&Ms. I usually get the fun size that's around Halloween time. And you just kind of let them go through this. Um, I even use it in my clinic sometimes with students because, again, a lot of them are coming in because they really just need to talk through something. But as we're sitting there, I'll say, oh, they're on, you know, what color are I in? I'm on yellow. So tell me something about your childhood. There's all these questions, orange, something that you do well, something about yesterday. And so it's not that how was your day question. And then they're like, I don't want to talk to you. Um, it becomes something more engaging. And then they want to ask me that question. They're like, hey, you're on green. Tell me something that you watch or listened to yesterday. So it's a fun way to interact with them. And they also get candy, which
3: keeps them coming back. <laughs> I love that. I'm I've definitely that. done
2: that idea with Candyland. Oh, when we're playing Candyland with students, that's how we get students to talk.
3: Yeah. I um, My middle schooler is a boy too. So that's even like a little bit harder to pull some things out. But I've started doing, like, give me a high and a low from your day, and you cannot say your high was lunch. You have to say something, or you have to tell me why your high was lunch. Like You have to tell me something specific. And then that usually at least will open a way for a little bit of conversation too. Um,
1: one other thing I'd suggest too, just um, I think a lot of people listening to this are walking with the Lord are believers, but one question I've found that's successful for my kids is, who is absent today? And how can we pray for them today? And so it spins it instead of like, how was your day? It gets them thinking and then we pray for them. And that's just become a kind of a fun. I love
0: that. This might seem like kind of a silly question, um, but what is the importance of even asking them about their day? Why ask if they don't want to tell you? Like why even do all these tricks? Yeah. Yeah.
2: I think it just shows that you're genuinely interested and that you value that response from your child I mean just thinking about like getting to know your child I feel like that's like something you have to do every day and so if you're just like not asking the questions you're not going to get the information necessarily especially as you were saying with your middle school boy yeah if you don't try to dig for that information you're definitely not going to get anything from it and then you never know like day after day Um, the more that you ask the easier it is for them to come talk to you and building that trust with your own kids. Before I came in
1: here, um, I was dropping my daughter off and she said, mom, can we have kids on this? I said, no, not this time, honey. She said, (laughs) she asked one of the questions and I said it was asking about your day. And she goes, mom, you ask me that every day and it's the days that you don't ask me that I really wish we could talk about it. I think just the consistency. So I am 100% learning this. Now you will yeah. <laughs> I love that.
2: Yeah,
1: but just um, but showing up and helping them learn communication. It's so critical because right now it's just screens and it's by yourself. But the value of a conversation and um, whether or not that's going to happen on the back seat while you're driving home. Um, if it's pillow talk at bedtime, it may not happen the moment that you're asking for it. But just they know that the line of communication is there.
3: Yeah. Uh, switching topics slightly, Katie, you mentioned uh, at the beginning about this change from not having a solid routine, maybe in summer or a looser routine. And then now all of a sudden we're going to a routine uh, in school that looks different. Um, and we talked about like the lunch routine, how to make your lunch. Why are routines important? Why do they matter? Why do we need to talk about them? Why do we need to have healthy routines? Why can't we just all fly by the seat of our pants? <laughs> oh,
2: I would say that routines help. Like you said, build consistency um, and even comfort within kids. I can think of my own family. Um, even though I'm a mother of two young kids, we went on vacation. And as many of you know, it's not really a vacation. It's more of like a trip. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> yep. And, you, you know, the we, beginning of the week starts fine. And then like as the week progresses, like kids become more fussy and just like irritable as do our, ourselves. Um, so just kind of like using that, like when we're out of like our normal and out of our comfort um things can kind of go a little haywire and so when you get those routines back in place things go back to normal and I think that's just like a perfect demonstration of like why they are important because like when kids know what to expect their things are consistent um it does get easier to get back into that routine and like have those normal expectations I think there's so
0: much to be said about predictability, Um, even with some anxiety with kids or just if you have a child that's a little bit more nervous, if you add in some predictability, then they can have the structure of that day and take control of that day and know, okay, this is a new adventure, but I know what to expect. And at 10 o'clock and at 12 o'clock and being able to walk them through that routine can be so, so helpful for those kids that just need a little bit of a snapshot of their day.
2: I know with like certain kids, um, the age group that I work with, um, a visual schedule is often very helpful because they can just like go to the fridge and see like, oh, the next we're going to do an art project or whatever it is, however you run your day. Um, it's just helpful to know kind of what's coming and that predictability.
1: I think on my side of things, um, being in the middle school, the kids are a little bit older, so we're not we're not in that stage anymore. But what we see a lot is kids starting new medications for the school year. Um, sometimes they'll take breaks over the summertime and not use those. My um, biggest encouragement would be to start that before school starts. Get them into a routine so they can remember after I eat lunch. I need to go have my medicine or before I need lunch, I need to stop in the nurse's station um, just to help them have a little bit of autonomy. They don't really want to be called out from class all the time. It feels um, a little elementary from what I've heard them say. Um, And then just another thing that I would encourage, if you have a daughter who could be getting her period, um, prepare ahead of time. Get a little pack and put it in their bag. Um, That is the biggest thing I think I see in middle school girls of like it is the first time or they're ill, Ill prepared and whether or not your daughter has started hers or not um, she can be that friend that is available and willing to help and is always like the go-to but then when it's her turn and she's ready you guys have talked about it it's not a shocking thing where she's scared um, so yeah I would say get yourself prepared and, and get that ready too.
0: nurse kitty in your opinion what age should you start talking to your daughter about those things so the average age used to be
1: 12 for starting a period it is a lot earlier than that um it's as young as eight years old which seems really shocking to say that as a mom as a nurse i can see that um pretty consistently happening that once i have middle school girls they're
3: all pretty much having their periods um One thing that I feel like I consistently am hearing is this notion of like the routine, the preparedness, but starting it before school starts. So not like first day of school, we're thrown into something new. I hear you guys saying like the week before you're starting to do it all at once or maybe introduce like, okay, we're going to make our lunches before we go to bed in the evening or whatever it is. We're starting to slowly pull that in so that when you bring in all the new emotions of actually being at school, you've already got that routine down.
2: Yep, even like bedtimes or like wake-up times because a lot of times we sleep in, especially probably you can
0: speak to that as middle school. Yeah. 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 What are some signs, just as you guys have experience in the school system, what are some signs of kids that maybe don't have those rhythms in place or have poor routines? Um, What are the deficits that you can see that impact as they're going into school?
2: I would say at the early earlier ages, um, we often see an increase in behavior, um, even like fatigue, like even at like the young elementary level, um, we do have students that typically, not typically, but they do fall asleep in class, um, which for a student that age is like not appropriate or like, it's just, you know, but there's obviously some kind of deficit where they're not getting the rest, um, that they need. Um, I would say even like meltdowns and tantrums, there's, in our, in our school, I shouldn't say in our school, but like in our building, um, in neighboring buildings, like we see and hear about like meltdowns, tantrums, and like just the power struggle between teachers and kids. Um, and so just, yeah, getting back into that.
1: Yeah. I would say lethargy is the biggest one. Um, we have a lot of kids that come to school and they haven't eaten because they were so tired waking up. And so they're coming down to me in the nurse's station to get breakfast. Um, I won't turn them away. I mean, that's something that they need. But then you start a conversation with them and they're talking about, well, I'm going to go home and I'm going to take a nap and you know, do the math. They take a nap. Then they're waking up at midnight. Then they're playing video games until 6 a.m. Then it's time for the school bus. And it's like the cycle that goes through. So as much as they want to be a part of their social circle, they really got to break that habit um, because school is demanding and then they fail it. And they want to take naps at school or come down to the nurse's station for something that's really not medically
3: related. You mentioned uh, electronics in your example that you gave. And so it's a little good segue uh, to talk about electronics. So it's very interesting. There's you know kind of two parts to it. One, maybe there's more screen time at home in the summer than in the school year. or We can even talk about should there be. And then part two is... A lot of schools are using electronics all day uh, as as a tool, and so when they come home, you know, what should we be doing as parents to create healthy boundaries and rhythms for electronics? You know, should it look differently? Should we be limiting that? Um, is it different that it was, you know, educational versus recreational? Kind of talk to us through how we as parents can help equip our times and our kids in this digital time.
1: Okay, so I would say, yeah, it is different. Social connections really do happen through a digital connection. Um, however, uh, I can I can speak to the value of having a face to face conversation. Um, at the school that I work at, most of the stuff they're doing is on screens. Um, so when they're done with school, whether they're going to practice and the screens are put away and they're having face-to-face conversations with adults and other students, that's helpful. The kids that are coming home and are getting back on screens, um, I think there, there needs to be a transition time. That's just an opinion as a mom of a middle school student. Um, giving them the autonomy to break away from from all the homework for a period of time, but then setting a boundary like, okay, you have a little bit of time to connect, but at such and such time, we need to get homework done. Um, The reward system still works, whether you're a three-year-old child or you're a 13-year-old child, right? Um, I really want to see you have some time to be able to connect with your friends, so why don't you work on the homework, and then we'll give
2: you about a half an hour to play, whatever
1: that time um, time is.
2: I would probably just add to... um... I think kids need a gen- like a general like eight to ten hours of sleep at night. and oftentimes, like research shows like when kids are attached to a screen right before bed, they have a harder time falling asleep. So if you can have some kind of distance between screen time, like when your kids are using a screen and then bedtime, I think that would help them go to sleep easier and get a fuller night of rest.
3: Do you see, and maybe this is a nurse Katie question for older kids, but maybe not. Um, do you see kids have a harder time with face to face social interactions because of the dependency on screens?
1: I definitely do. Um if you had any of my students in this room, they'd probably start laughing because I make them put down their screens and their AirPods have to be pulled out. I will not talk to them until they come in. And I do it in a joking manner, but I'm like, these are my eyes and you have some. Can I see your eyes? Like, we're going to have a conversation. And then I can't hear you until those AirPods are out, even though they're in the child's ear. Yeah. So just making it lighthearted, but showing them the value of I'm going to look you in the eye. Um even like, please and thank you. I hate to say this, but that is lacking so much in kids and just um, bringing a little bit of mama into the building to show them like, hey, we can have a conversation. It it might be a little bit awkward at first, and they're probably going to stare at the ground the majority of the time. But slowly but surely, and I'm sure Katie, you see this in counseling, they start to open up and then you find that they're coming to you because they want to. And they want to engage with you, and they want to know your opinion, or they want to share something, and they just need someone to listen. So,
2: yeah, and I'm working with kids that are in third and fourth grade who is like the COVID generation. Oh yeah. So we've often seen how that has majorly impacted students, um, and just like like you said, the ability to have a conversation um, in that way. Yeah. so
3: because they were so they were isolated, and a lot of screens probably exactly. mixed like, so in right. at the same time. Yeah, yeah that would be huge.
2: I think another thing, too, just
1: like what are we modeling to the kids? Like in my building, when they come into the office in my clinic, am I sitting there on my screen or Mm -hmm. am I setting it down and having a conversation with them face to face? My example is going to lead them in the direction that I hope they go and
3: that is at home or at work so yeah as parents i mean that's a huge opportunity for us when we come home yeah. from the day are we immediately just putting our face in front of a screen or are we stopping to engage but yet we would maybe have a different expectation for our kid that they should be the same no that's that's equally encouraging and convicting to me so yeah <laughs> <Same>. <laughs>
0: I think this episode was a little bit difficult to put together just because there is so much that school can bring out in both parents and kids and extracurriculars and values and idols and everything can come out when, it, when you start talking back to school. Um, But let's just talk a little bit about some tips for parents that maybe had a different learning style or a different value system when it came to school. So if you are a parent who really values grades, but have a child who maybe that school isn't their particular learning style and they're not excelling in the grade format, how would you give a tip to that parent and how to communicate with their child? All right, so if you grew
1: up different, I the first thing that comes to mind is my learning style growing up is really different math-wise what current public school students are learning. Um, use your resources. You are not the only one to educate your student, um, your child. If you have a friend who has kids that are a few years older than them, um, there is value in a kid repeating what they've learned to teach somebody else because it's going to reinforce it to them. Um, But there have been times when I I honestly could not tell you what my daughter was learning and her sixth grade year. And so I'm calling my friend to ask her, can your son come over and help my daughter? And there it was solved. Um, so so recognizing the fact that like there's kids, lots of them actually in your stu- your child's school district that are going through the same thing and utilizing each other. Um, tutors are a great thing. If you, if you aren't familiar with what's going on um, and YouTube isn't helping you, then just ask for help.
3: Yeah, and I think we always need to be examining our own hearts as parents. So when we're coming in and we're saying grades are so important to us, the first thing we maybe need to do is stop and say, like, why? You know, why are grades so important to us? What does that communicate about where our heart is? And then do we want to pass that on to our kids? So is it as simple as, like, well, I want my kid to do their best? Or is there something underlying about achievement is where my value comes from? And so maybe once after we evaluate our own hearts, we can have those conversations with our kids or help to guide them in the way of saying like, hey, grades don't define who you are, but we do want to do everything that we do with our best and honor the Lord with whatever small task or big task that we have in
0: front of us too. And I think that same evaluation goes along with extracurricular activities because along with school comes sports um, or anything else that you're doing, whether that's music or acting or, um, and that can very easily, I think as a parent and a child, fall into this is the most important thing in my life right now. This is the place of my God or my idol. Um, And parents, we often reinforce that sometimes because you get excited about your child being really good at something or being involved in something. And so you replace those Sundays with your sports or your activities. Um, And we talk all the time about things being more, caught than taught um and so kind of having that evaluation intrinsically so that you can then really show and demonstrate and build that resume that zach always talks about for jesus and for him really being the center
3: yeah. What do you guys see as some of the biggest obstacles for healthy transition to school? So we've talked about, could it be that you're thrown into all these sports, it's pressure of grades, it's lack of routines. Like when you um, take a look at your students, what's is there a common factor of maybe something that is the biggest obstacle in students um, preparing to return that parents could take away from this to maybe be proactive to
2: avoid? I think a lot of times like kids come in like oh I didn't want to go back to school or like with that like negative emotion that negative energy and I think that as parents like we can help them look forward to something like like school I mean I hate to say it is like their job right now so like their job is to be a student and like it's something that they have to do so if we can like help them to look forward to something whether that's like hey you know what on Friday we're going to go get ice cream as a family or just having those like milestone things to like just look forward to to like you know make it as the week go by as quickly as you can and as best as you can. I think
1: one of the biggest obstacles I see as a nurse in the middle school is just um, a lack of um, ownership over their hold on, I need to think of that this I'll start this again. Okay, so one of the biggest things I see in middle school with the students um, having an obstacle starting the school year is that they're not used to doing things on their own. Um, Middle school is a huge transition time. Um, I see them for two years and then it's off to high school. And really at that point, parents are really, releasing their kids. They're young adults at that point. Um, preparing to go on to college and the next steps so this this middle school time is so critical for helping them make choices and decisions but then also have the ownership of what those consequences look like if you don't want to get up in the morning and have breakfast that's okay but you're probably going to be hungry Um, if you want to prepare an awesome meal for lunch later Um, When you get home from school so that it's ready the next day, you have something to look forward to. Um, Homework, responsibilities, all that kind of stuff. I think giving a little bit of slack in the apron strings to help them start to see like, here's some decisions you get to make, right? You get to make these. I'm here right alongside you to help you with that. Um, But not scooping it up when it kind of crumbles apart, but being present enough to say like, okay, this didn't go as well as you thought it would go. Um, maybe a, a test bombed and you're really frustrated and you're very stressed out. Like this is not the, um, the record that colleges are gonna look at and that's one conversation I've had with many of my students who come in and are really, really nervous and anxious about such and such class or um, a particular teacher. It's let's just look at it one thing at a time, the next best step, right? Like Elsa says, right? <laughs> Bring a little Disney in here. <laughs> so um, all of that to say like this this obstacle of, oh my gosh, I have to do X, Y, and Z. Like help your kids feel confident in their choices and rally for them even when they make mistakes because they're going to come back to you and ask for help and what the right direction is. The last thing they need to hear is a parent yelling at them on the other line from the nurse's um, phone that they've messed up. That's just really going to set the tone for the rest of the day, so.
3: Yeah. One thing I think even uh, coupled with what you both are saying is like this opportunity to integrate your faith. And so things that you can start in, these disciplines and these habits when they're young even little little kids are saying okay you don't want to do this uh, you know what are the blessings of getting to go to school you know let's look at places where you don't get that you know why do we want to learn like let's talk about the brain that God gave us and the abilities that we have to learn about his creation and different people and then even to to your point nurse Katie of okay this was really hard what do we do with our failures how do we pray through this how do we uh, build friendships in this broken space or um, even if it's apologizing like hey I yelled at you for this this, and I was really hard on you and I shouldn't have been, Um, but just these basic everyday things that happen to our kids could be an opportunity to really help them integrate uh, like how their faith uh, plays a part in it too.
0: As we wrap up this episode, last question, what do you want parents to hear as the summer comes to an end? I just want you to hear that you're doing a great job. (laughs) I
2: genuinely think that there are so many pressures on parents um, and on students, and I just want you to know that you are doing great. Um, every kiddo is so different, but kids are also very resilient. So if we feel like we mess up as a parent and do something that's like not helpful for the student, that's okay. We're learning just as they are. Um, I would also say it's just so important to get to know your child. So I think that's kind of been like a lesson that we've touched on throughout this episode. Um, but just give yourself some grace and keep moving forward and don't be afraid to ask for help like your school counselor school nurses principals administration teachers especially like we are all here to help um, and we i mean I speak for myself when I say I look forward to when you reach out cuz I know like how like your student is struggling and I do not want them to struggle Um, I think
1: the biggest thing I want parents to hear from this is that your kids are so awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, I really enjoy my job. Um, They're all so different and like Katie said, Counselor Katie, like your kids are doing a great job and so are you. Um, You're raising little humans who are doing some fantastic things. Their ideas are incredible. Um, their compassion for others exists even if you don't see it. <laughs> um, they're bringing it to the table. And just to, to reiterate it, we really are a team. When you guys call the school nurse and say, hey, this is going out at home, it really helps us prepare for a better day for your kid. Um, if, if anything, um, more is better than less.
3: I am actually going to be diving into this topic a little bit deeper at uh, the upcoming Moms Together launch on uh, September 12th at 9.30 a.m. at CCC. So we're just going to gather and even talk through some of these concepts in a little bit more detail and time uh, and maybe leave with some practical things that we can start integrating into our homes too. So I would love to see you there. But uh, Katie and Katie, we are so grateful that you guys just gave your time and your wisdom. We're really thankful.